listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We're in the last week of this series we've done called Outside the Circle, and I was able to watch the last two that Pastor Tony did. He did a masterful job on those. Um, I kind of tricked Tony because I told him that I would write the last two messages, and um, I intentionally wrote the first one, but I intentionally didn't write the second one because I wanted to put some pressure on him to see if he'd deliver. Uh, I'm just, hey, I got to train him. I got, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's a Sunday every week. Did y'all know that? So um, as a pastor, you have to be listening and, and all that, and so he did a great job, and so um, hats off to not only Pastor Tony, but the entire team. Y'all work together great. I'm so thankful. Um, it feels awesome to know that I cannot be here and everything works like it should. That's, that's a team working like it ought to, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, today, we're going to talk about the story of Joseph, um, because I think this story really illustrates um, outside the circle thinking and how we can actually apply it to our lives. And so maybe you've heard the story of Joseph, maybe you haven't. Um, the quick rundown is simply this. Um, Joseph was his dad's favorite. Um, he's got the guy with the coat of many colors. Y'all remember that from the felt boards when you were little kids. Um, and so, so um, he, he had some dreams. He, he decided, I'm going to tell the dreams to my family. Uh, family didn't like it that much. The brothers got super jealous, decided to kill him. Um, but they were like, well, wait, no, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in this well. Uh, and then some, some traders came along, and they bought Joseph. He got sold into slavery in a Potiphar's house. He was doing great at Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife was like, how you doing? And so, um, <laughs> and so he got thrown in prison, even though he didn't do anything wrong. And then he got... Uh, he was in prison and interpreted some dreams. He interpreted those dreams and, and said, hey, hey, don't forget about me whenever you go back to Pharaoh. You know, tell him what's going on so I can get out of here. And, of course, the cupbearer forgot for two years. And then finally, we see Joseph ascend to second in command. But let's go back and just read the dreams real quick. Here, here are the two dreams in Genesis 37. Starting in verse 5, by the way, you can follow along in the YouVersion app. Just click the little hamburger menu button, click events, and click Freedom Church. Uh, you'll be able to take notes and save that. But in Genesis chapter uh, 37, starting verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him <laughs> more than ever. All right, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now imagine your 10-year-old walks into dinner one night and says, My wheat shall stand tall, and yours shall bow. It's kind of like, kind of arrogant, you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of. So, so the next night happens and Joseph's like, oh, we're going to double down on some dreams. And so the next day, he says, so soon Joseph had another dream. Again, he told his brothers about it. Hey, you didn't get a good reaction the first time, bro. He's like, nah, second time's a charm, right? No. Listen, I had had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered about what the dreams meant. If you look at this entire story over the few chapters in Genesis that it talks about Joseph, you're going to find a story laced with inside the circle thinking. And by pretty much all of the characters, I mean, the brothers were super jealous. They hated, they hated Joseph, partially because Joseph would tattletale on them when they were doing anything wrong. Um, snitches get stitches, right? Actually, you get thrown in a cistern and sold into slavery. That's what the Bible says. So, um, but then Jacob was being 
pretty inside the circle thinking too. I mean, was there any clue as to which one of his kids was the favorite? How devastating is it for a kid to know that you're not the favorite? To, to know that there is a favorite. Hey, time out. Do y'all have a favorite in your house? <laughs> easy, Tiger. Easy. All right. Um, but Joseph himself was pr- being pretty arrogant and prideful too, wasn't he? How do we know that? Well, read the rest of the text at some point, And here's what you're going to find. Joseph constantly ratted out his brothers. He knew he was his dad's favorite. He loved prancing around in that fancy coat. He was feeling himself, as the kids say today. Right, Edgar? Hey, just as a side note, be careful of falling in love with the spotlight because while it shines on you, it also reveals what's in you. You want to know what's in something? Put pressure on it. Joseph had a problem with pride. Think about it. Does the Bible talk about Joseph's humility? Does the Bible talk about his service to the family? Is there any documentation on his willingness to submit himself and put others before himself? I'm not seeing it. In fact, I'd wager that the path Joseph's life took was not a series of unfortunate events to a humble man, but rather a series of opportunities whereby God used bad situations to kill pride inside of him. He was thinking inside the circle. And I want you to know something. Not every bad thing happens to you is God just saying, well, it's whatever. No, sometimes he uses the bad things that the enemy is throwing at you to kill something in you that needs to die. So if you're wondering, why am I in this situation? Don't curse God. Ask God, is there something inside of me that you're trying to kill with this situation? I mean, my goodness, there's so many things that are horrible that happen in our lives. Terrible situations. And sometimes God uses those things to destroy those bad things. But Joseph was thinking inside the circle. Inside the circle thinking will always get you inside the circle results. What did inside the circle thinking look like with Joseph? Well, he was selfish. He was ambitious. He was vindictive. You're ratting people out. He was arrogant. He had this victim mentality going on. What? What did I do? If all you ever wonder is why me, then all you're going to ever get is will me. (laughs) God has a better plan for your life. But, and this is a big but, okay? God will also do whatever it takes to kill off anything in you that thinks inside the circle so that you can embrace your purpose outside the circle. I need you to hear me. God loves you. But do you see what's on the screen? God loves you so much, he will put you in situations that are designed to kill the nasty inside of you so that you can become everything he created you to be. Stop blaming the devil every time something bad happens. Okay? Even the worst, I'm telling you, when I did, when I started my D group and I did the hinge moments that are at the front, one of the hinge moments was on my bad list. And I never really saw it for what it was. It has become the most impactful, biggest change that's ever happened in my life. That one hinge moment. And it was the worst thing that had happened to me at that point. God, the worst in your life, God can use to create the best in you if you'll give it to him. If you'll let him. So think of Joseph again. The arrogance of not only reciting his dream to the entire family once, but twice is unbelievable when you consider that God's purpose for Joseph was a life lived to serve the entire nation of Egypt and and beyond. He was supposed to save them all. 
God gave him masterful abilities in strategy and in planning, but also the ability to implement and deliver. You know, there are people who are really good strategists, but they're trash at making it happen. And there are people who are really good at making it happen, but they're trash at vision. God put all of that in one man. Why? It wasn't for Joseph. Listen to me. God may have given you gifts, talents, and abilities, but it's not so you can be some rock star at your job and a wealthy millionaire. It's because God wants you to use those things to see the kingdom move. Well, I'm, I'm not good at ministry stuff. Maybe God's called you to finance the church. I have some friends that, that they just, they have money. They're wealthy. And they've realized from an early stage that the only reason they have money is because God wants them to use that money to move the kingdom. And let me ask you something. Is that just as important as the role that I'm doing right here today? Absolutely. Because I don't know if y'all know this, but rent still has to be paid. It was all for the benefit of other people, not himself. Yet, look at how Satan tried to keep him inside the circle to stop his purpose. When you compare the 17-year-old Joseph the dreamer to the 30-year-old Joseph who was second in command of Egypt, you probably wouldn't even be able to recognize him. That's what 13 years of circumstances used by God to eliminate inside the circle thinking will do to you. Guys, it'll even give you the courage to face the very people who sought your destruction. The very people who started the wheels that led you to slavery and then prison. And rather than retaliate against them, you forgive them and honor them. Can you imagine forgiving and honoring the person that hurt you the most? Stay inside your circle and it'll never happen. But I want, you to, I want to remind you of something that doesn't really taste good to us if we've been hurt by somebody. God loves them just as much as he loves you. And I'm convinced that God doesn't have to use me to get them free. But, but I can't continue to stay in my bondage against them. I can't see them doing well with the Lord and get mad about it. I need to get free as well. So what can we learn from Joseph today that will keep us looking outside the circle so that we can be a blessing to others like Joseph eventually was? Well, here's the first one. God has bigger plans than what's inside your circle. He's got bigger plans. Now, I often talk about whenever you face a situation where there's friction between you and someone, you always need to look internally first to make sure that you're not the one with the issue. Okay, because there's nothing more humiliating than griping at somebody else about the plank, the uh, speck in their eye when you got a log in yours. You know what I'm talking about? I think this is super wise advice. It's something that I try to do. And a second good piece of advice is to always have someone with the five to help see that in you. What is the five? They know you. They know God. They love you. They love God. They have your best interests in mind. I know we talk about this a lot, but can I tell you why we talk about it so much? It's because people don't use this. And we're trying to get you to understand that God put people in your life to help you, okay? They know you, they know God, they love you, they love God, they have your best interests in mind. Why do you need those people? Here's why, because blind spots exist, and by definition, you can't see them. Blind spots are not called blind spots, they're called spots. There's a reason it has an adjective, okay? Because you can't see them. God gives you people to help identify in you what you cannot identify in yourself. Now, let me give you a loving piece of advice here. Don't get mad when somebody identifies something in you that needs to be corrected. That's the person you should love the most. I had a phone call on Saturday 
It was a phone call from one of my pastor friends in town. And he was asking me about our new facility. And he was saying, hey, did y'all be sure to get flood insurance? You know, like, are y'all concerned about that? And I said, well, since history in 1818, when it started um, in this area, um, it's never flooded. So even our, even our insurance company didn't require flood insurance. And, you know, we have X amount of feet. And we could probably take another 20-foot rise in the river before it actually got to the building. And, like, we've been monitoring it. Looking at that, that, uh, uh, that uh, tree stand there in between the river and the building. And um, so I was telling him all this kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, that's great, man. I just wanted to call and check on you and, um, you know, check on it. And he said, you know, I appreciate you responding like this because some people will get mad. I'm like, why would they get mad? He's like, because they would think I'm in their business or whatever. And I said, bro, you're not my friend if you don't call. Why would I get mad about somebody trying to help me? And you know what? Somebody might call out something in your life. Now, if they're struggling with the same thing, <laughs> it could be a little bit more difficult, like, Oh, hello, pot. Let's call the kettle black, you know? But maybe God has you both together so y'all can work on it together. How would the story be different if Joseph had somebody in his life that had the five? Joseph would have had that dream, and then rather than boasting about it at dinner that night, he would have told his five friend, okay? And he would have, that five friend might have said, Wow, dude, God has some big plans for you. But, but rather than say anything just yet, let's spend some time praying about what it might mean. By the way, this is what Chuck Warnock did with me whenever I told him I thought I was supposed to go plant a church. January 2019, God spoke to me in 21 days of prayer and said, you're not going anywhere in 2019, but 2020 is the year. I told Pastor Chuck that. You know what he said to me? Let's take the rest of the, let's take the, rest of the 21 days and pray on it. Brilliant advice. That's somebody that knows me, loves me, has my best interest in mind. But Joseph might have said, bro, why? Like, this dream's awesome. Like, It's awesome. But then the five friend says, look, <laughs> you know, I love you. All right. You know, I know you. You know, I care about I care about what happens to you. But, but since you got that coat from your dad, you've been a little, um, I don't know, arrogant. You kind of been prancing around. Um, and I know that's not who you are. But if you cough that dream out right now, it might give people the wrong idea about you. Let me ask you this. Would we read a different story about Joseph if he had a friend like that? Would we read a, a different story about you if you had a friend like that? God had bigger plans for Joseph than personal glory. That plan was always about other people, not about Joseph. Every gift that God put in Joseph was for the day he'd rise to second in command. The strategy, the discernment, the ability to interpret dreams, to hear God, to implement these plans. When you live life as if it, what is in your circle is, is what God's plan is all about, you miss God's plan, and everybody else misses out. So if you're looking inside your circle, and you think inside that circle is what your life is all about, that's what God's purpose is all about, it's just what's inside my circle, then everybody else misses out because you miss out. Your gifts are not for you. They're for me. They're for all of us. Your life is not for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. You want some proof of that? Okay, cool. 1 Peter 4.10. But God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Let's use them well to serve ourselves. No, it says serve one another. What gifts has God given you? Well, I don't know. Freedomdl.com slash tests. There's a spiritual gift analysis. Take that. You'll find the top five gifts that, that, that God's put inside of you. 
That doesn't mean you only have five. It's just these are the top five. And then ask yourself, am I using these gifts for the body of Christ? And if you're not, then let me encourage you to go to freedomdeal.com serve and find a spot and start serving. Okay? I don't like kids' ministry. How do you know? I don't like how felt feels. We don't use felt, and we haven't for 40 years. They don't even make felt anymore unless you're a cowboy. What about this one? Jeremiah 10, 23. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Did you know that your life don't belong to you? Okay? Yeah, I know John Bon Jovi. It's my life. It's now or never. I ain't going to live forever. I know. It's a great song. It is not theologically accurate. It is rockology accurate, but it's not theology accurate. Hopefully now you can see why Satan is so adamant that you live inside your circle. If he can get you focused on you, then he doesn't have to worry about you being a blessing to other people. It's actually a twofer for him because not only has he rendered your gifts ineffective, you actually work with him to create disunity through your own quest for personal glory. Satan is evil, but he ain't stupid. God has bigger plans than what's inside your circle. Again, look at Joseph. Loved by his dad. Had some dreams. Gets thrown into a cistern and then sold by his brothers to slavers. By the way, the slavers were Ishmaelites. Do you all know who that is? Those are the descendants of Abraham's son, Ishmael. You know, the one that he tried to fix the promise and he actually overstepped and created Ishmael that created basically the Muslims that we experience today. So his impatience got Joseph thrown into a cistern. Okay, just a little following. He got sold to Potiphar. He becomes Potiphar's favorite, excels in his house, and becomes second in command. Potiphar's wife gets handsy and accused Joseph of impropriety, gets tossed into jail, becomes the jailer's favorite, and gets set as second in command. Interprets dreams for the cupbearer and the baker, and simply asks the cupbearer to tell Pharaoh his plight so he can get out of prison. The cupbearer forgets for two full years. Pharaoh has some dreams. The cupbearer remembers. Joseph interprets the dream and becomes second in command. Ask your question. If you were Joseph, at what point would you, would you have given up? Would it be the cistern or the slavery or the false accusation or the prison or the forgetfulness? Sometimes we give up so soon that the plan doesn't have a chance to come to fruition. And here's why. It's because we had so much faith in our circumstances and zero faith in God. Goodness. Joseph's life was insane. What a journey. But did you notice some patterns? In every situation, God gave Joseph opportunities to learn how to manage his gifts and leverage them for the sake of other people. God gave him Humbling situations to kill pride and to hone his skills. Yet, Satan was also working. Notice how Joseph was always finding favor, like with his dad. Being the favorite, like with his dad. Being the right hand, like with his dad. So while God was working inside the circle thinking out of Joseph, Satan was trying to put inside the circle thinking back into Joseph. He does this with you too. 
Well, let me give you some proof. Have you ever had a moment with the Lord that's just been just incredible? It's like my life has changed from this moment. And that very next week, all hell breaks loose. It's simple. Satan is trying to get you away from trusting God and back to trusting what's inside your circle. But something happened in Joseph at some point that made him shift from selfishness to selflessness. And I don't know when it was, but we can see one of the moments when it was. It's in Genesis 41, 16. The Bible says, it's beyond my power to do this. Joseph is talking to Pharaoh. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Finally, we see some outside the circle thinking from Joseph. Finally, he realizes, I do not have it inside of me to do this. And I don't know if it was if it was what happened at Potiphar's house or what happened in the jail, but in the midst of the worst things that could have happened to Joseph, he stopped thinking inside the circle and started thinking outside of it. And I sometimes wonder if, if Joseph connected the dots from his dream 13 years before to that moment. I wonder if he had a, oh, that's what the dream meant kind of moment. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I say foresight's blind as a bat, but hindsight's hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? I love that even if, even if Joseph did have that aha, aha moment, I love that it came after his what's inside my circle isn't enough moment. And I have a feeling that some of you today need to get to a place where you realize that what's inside your circle is not enough because until you get to that moment, you're never going to look outside of it. Some of y'all are super successful. Y'all are really good. I mean, y'all can, y'all can do it. And because you've been so successful and because you've had such a tough, traumatic raising and, and childhood and all that, you've thought that I have to take care of myself, that I'm, I'm, if anything good's going to happen for me, then I've got to make it happen. Listen to me, family, that is orphan thinking. That's not how sons think. That's not how daughters think. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be at a ceiling in your life. A ceiling. Until you start looking outside the circle and allowing God to help. God has bigger plans than what's inside your circle. And the longer you stay in it, the longer it will be before God uses you to change people's lives. You may have been really good at changing your life, but if you're not changing other people's lives, you're not a part of God's plan. We have to kill the same things that Joseph had to kill. Selfishness, arrogance, ambition, vindictiveness, a victim mentality. These are things that Satan uses to stifle your gifts and to destroy your purpose. So while God has bigger plans for you than what's inside your circle, if you're going to kill those things like Joseph, you're going to have to realize the second thing here is that it was never about you. I don't like this preacher. Thinking like this breeds selfishness. You ever know somebody that's all about them? Y'all like them? If you don't know, might be you just saying. It breeds arrogance. It breeds ambition. It makes them a victim and a slew of other things that are inside the circle thinking. It, it took a long time before Joseph realized it was not about him. And we not only see this in that verse where Joseph realized that only God could do what Pharaoh asked, but in his dreams themselves. How? Listen, your dreams are, your dreams are always about you. But God's dreams are always about others. Always. In fact, this is a really good way to know if it's God or not. Are you your dream's focus? Are you the hero in your dream? Are you the one that's successful in your dream? Or 
is the dream God put inside of you about how you can be a blessing to other people. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if it's all about you, selfish dreams do not come from our Father. How do you know that, Jason? Because He was willing to lay His own Son down for you. Selfish people don't give the thing they love the most. Your dreams are always about you inside the circle. God's dreams are always about you outside the circle. So if God's plan for you are always about others, it might make you think, well, then who is going to bless me? If I'm always having to think about other people, who's going to think about me? Because you know what? I grew up in that, Pastor Jason. I grew up in that world where even my parents didn't think about me. My parents didn't care about me. I hear you. I hear you. I, I get it. This is exacerbated by pasts that involve abuse and neglect and people who constantly took advantage of you. Every ministry leader I served until I got to New Covenant Church took advantage of me. Do you think I really wanted to trust Chuck Warnock? All I could think about was, when's it going to happen? When's the rug going to get pulled out and you're going to do the same thing everybody else did to me? I don't mean to get on a, be a solid family soapbox again, because I talk about this a lot, but the best thing you can give your kids is a strong godly marriage. And if you're single with kids, then give them a strong godly family. Why? Because it's easier to shift your attention off yourself and onto others when you come from a situation where you all work together to meet each other's needs. This is something that blew our minds in Rwanda. They do not care about themselves. They only care about the family. And do you know what it took to get there? I was talking with Bosco about this. Y'all, this is nuts. And I was very careful how I said this. It took a genocide. Many of you know that the genocide happened in 1994. Many of you don't know that it tried to kick up again in 1997. Some people that were, some Hutus with some more genocidal um, ideology went to a school and they put their guns inside the windows in this one classroom and they demanded that the kids separated themselves by Hutu and Tutsi. And the kids stood up and said, we are not Hutu, we are not Tutsi, we are Rwandans. And they threw grenades in and shot them and six kids died. When you grow up in a world where you're all working together to see the benefit of each other, you stop thinking selfish. It, it weeds it out of you. And we've got to do this. We've got to shift our attention off of ourselves and onto others. And when we do that, we're going to find that our needs are met. I'm working to meet your needs, and you know what? You're working to meet my needs. That's why I have people in my life that encourage me and build me up. Is it because I don't need to do it myself? No. I mean, I can tell myself, hey, Jason, you're doing a good job. But boy, howdy, when one of my friends walks up and says, Jason, I just want you to know, man, if you hadn't heard all week long, you're doing a great job, and I'm behind you 100%. That feels so much better to my soul than me telling myself. This is what the body of Christ is for, y'all. Did you know that? This is why you come to church. Well, let's come get my little star. No, you don't. You come because you need the encouragement that comes from each other. You, you, this is why you serve. This is why you give. This is why you engage. We read this verse in Hebrews 10, 25. Don't neglect the, the, the meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Uh, pastors have used this for years. Like, you better come to church in the name of Jesus. The Bible says so. You know, like, like we're going to guilt you into coming to church. Do you know why I want you at church? It's not so I can look fancy on my attendance sheet. 
It's because I know that some of y'all had a trash week and you need the encouragement from the person that's sitting right next to you. What you need is you need somebody who's willing to pour into you like you're willing to pour into somebody else. It isn't just rules or to get stars by your name on the attendance sheet. It's because we need who God made you to be. We need your gifts. We need your encouragement. We need what you bring to the table. And we need them regardless of whether or not you think you have anything of value to bring to the table. You know why? Because it isn't about you. It's not. And by the way, if you feel like you have nothing to bring to the table, then let me lovingly tell you, you are dead wrong and you're in a blind spot. You're wrong. We need what God put inside of you. I'm all messed up, man. I've done some stuff. Yeah, guess what, everybody? David was a murderer. Abraham lied constantly. Like, you want to line up with the best in the Bible? Come on, man. God, your father doesn't make duds. And what he put in you from the foundation of the world is needed right now. My wife loves 60s and 70s music, and sometimes I've wondered why she was not born earlier <laughs> to enjoy it. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because God knew that January 16th of 2006, I was going to meet her at East Texas Baptist University, and he knew I needed her. So God has a purpose for my wife, 100%. But a part of that purpose is because he knew I needed her. Monique is so opposite for me. I'm the visionary 3,000, you know, 3,500 foot in the air, like, let's go charge the mountain. And she's the tether that keeps me connected to reality. We need each other. You have something to bring to the table. You're needed. And this is why it's so important that you're in a Christian community. When we're operating as God intended, while you're thinking of someone else, someone else is thinking of you. While you're blessing someone else, someone else is blessing you. While you're speaking life over someone else, someone else is speaking life over you. Don't be the one that doesn't uphold their end of the bargain. Speak life. Be a blessing. Now, why would God set it up this way? It's really simple. The moment you start thinking it's all about you, that's the moment you stop building the kingdom and you start building your castle. There is no castle that is as beautiful as even the smallest thing in the kingdom. Just like Joseph, you begin to fall in love with the glory that you'll get in the dream rather than the satisfaction of being a part of the kingdom. And by the way, did you all know this, that godly glory is always given away? The Bible tells us that God gave his glory to Jesus. That's John 17. Jesus gave his glory to us. That's again, John 17. We live so that others can give glory to God. That's Matt 5. We give glory to God. That's a ton of verses, like just littered throughout the Bible. But here's one specifically, Psalm 155.1. Excuse me, one. That's a typo, 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. God's glory was never for us. It always belonged to him. Human glory fades, but godly glory satisfies. But until we're willing to embrace the truth that it isn't about us, we will never find satisfaction God intended for us. God has a better plan for what's inside your circle than what's inside your circle. And it was never about us. So one more point that's going to help you internalize this today. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I need an Italian up here. I'm trying to channel my inner Italian. What are you going to do about it? No, Matt, no. 
Do I need to go, hey? No, okay. That's the fawns. So that's, that's a different whole animal. What are you going to do about it? When life gives you slavery, what are you going to do about it? When life gives you false accusations, what are you going to do about it? When life gives you prison, what are you going to do about it? Now, you might not have had to face things as serious like this that Joseph had to face, but the question remains, what are you going to do about it, about what you've learned even over this series? I'd like to offer you three quick things uh, that you can do about it. Everybody say, do about it. It's fun, isn't it? No, it's not. You sound terrible. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love y'all. So here's the first one. Y'all going to love this one. Stop complaining about it. Nobody likes a gripey goose. What is it? It is whatever you're complaining about. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your problems. Maybe it's your current life situation. And I realize I can be mean here and I'm not trying to be mean, but complaining won't do a darn thing to fix whatever situation you're in. It only makes it worse. So why do we do it? I'll tell you why. Because complaining is easier than taking responsibility and initiative. Even at church. I don't like how that preacher said that. I don't like how they did that. You ever know somebody that uh, pastors deal with this a lot, but there's always that one person that every sermon they come up to you and they tell you how you messed up in the sermon. Wow, I've got people in the back naming names. Wow. If you don't like how your life is going, then what are you going to do about it? You don't get results from an action. Okay, so you don't like where you are with God right now? What are you going to do about it? You don't, you don't like what's happening in your family right now? What are you going to do about it? Well, he's going to pray. Maybe God will work it out. Okay? That is a... Look, I'm not saying don't pray. You need to pray. But do you think for one second that God's just going to... You're just going to pray and tell God all the problems and he's going to say... Or might he say... Um, the problem kind of started when you started allowing this. And so if you'll go back and fix this, you might see some changes in your family. God, don't talk to me like that. He loves me. Okay. That's why you ain't hearing God. Listen to me, church. I'm going to get on a tangent here. God says more than lovey-dovey things. Okay. And if all you're listening to God for is stuff that makes your little heart feel good, you're missing a whole lot of what he's going to say. Because God is a father. And don't forget, mommies kiss the boo-boos, but dad's discipline. We don't like that part of God. Give me the Holy Spirit comforter, not the disciplinarian father. Okay, don't get better. That's what that means. You're not going to get better. Okay, so embrace the correction. Look back at Joseph. He was attacked and thrown in a cistern and then sold into slavery. Did he get to Potiphar's house and start complaining and griping the whole time? Listen, potty, they were so mean to me. They were potty to me too. No, he didn't do that. We have no record of that. We do have a record of this though. Listen to this, Genesis starting at 39, starting in 2. 
the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority, and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from that time he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Man, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house in the field. Listen to this. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Can you imagine somebody trusting you so much that they didn't even know how much was in the bank account? All they knew was that they had some cornbread in front of them. Do you think Joseph got there through incessant complaining about what happened yesterday? We saw the same thing when he was in jail. Joseph didn't let his circumstances stop his service. He didn't let the environment stifle his gifts. I love y'all, but we've become way too comfortable in the church today where we allow the silliest little circumstance to stop us in our tracks. It stifles our gifts, and Satan loves it. He loves it because he's got you in your little circle. I fully realize that your life right now might not be exactly how you want it to be. But if you will stop complaining, that's looking inside the circle. And start using your gifts, talents, and abilities, that's looking outside the circle. You might just find that it was your willingness to serve, not your expertise in complaining, that changes your environment. I love y'all. But when it comes to complaining, y'all need to hush up. And listen, I'm talking to myself too. Because your boy is really good at complaining. All right? Let somebody cut me off in traffic. I told Edgar today, I was like, man, I don't want nobody looking at my dash cam audio. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all working on this, aren't we? Here's the second part. Start asking better questions. When bad things happen to us, the first question we almost always ask is why? We have no record of Joseph asking why. We do have other questions he asked, though. Like when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, Genesis 39.9, he says, how can I do such a great witness, wickedness and sin against God? It wasn't just about him. It was a great wickedness towards Potiphar, the guy who was, even though he was his master, he was obviously pretty kind to him. Why would he want to sin again? Why would he want to hurt somebody else? When he met the baker and the cupbearer, Genesis 40, he walks up to him and says, hey, why do y'all look so sad today? They were in prison. What? That's like asking to me, somebody smashed their toe with, a, with an anvil and then going, why is your toe so red? It, it, uh, we're in prison, dude. Pharaoh just literally sent us to prison. Why do you look so sad? Notice every question so far was the result of Joseph looking outside the circle. Always about others or how others would be impacted. So what are some questions you can ask? Y'all might want to take a picture of this next slide. I got some things for you. How can I help? How can I pray? How can I serve? How can I use my gifts? How can I be a blessing? What's keeping me inside the circle instead of giving outside of it? How can I improve? What's my next step? How can God use my life to be a blessing to others? Is there anything inside my circle that's hurting outside of it? Those are the right questions. When you're asking the right questions, it has an impact on not just you, but those around you as well. The proof is that when Joseph started asking the right questions, Pharaoh did too. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis 41, 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? 
I know you might not like your job, but how in the world is somebody going to see Jesus at your job if all you're doing is complaining and griping and asking the wrong questions? It might be that when you stop complaining, start asking the right questions, other people start asking the right questions too. Like, I know sometimes work is tough, but you always seem to have a like, joy on your face. What is that all about? I'm so glad you asked. Pull up right next to me as we eat our hot dog and let's talk. I don't know what y'all eat at lunch. If you feel like you're in a cycle right now where you're having to deal with the same issues, it just might not be Satan tormenting you. It might be God trying to teach you. So the question you should ask is not, why am I here? The question you need to ask is, what do you want me to do about it? Last one is this, quickly. Adjust your vision. Adjust your vision. I'm convinced that learning stages are shorter when your kingdom vision is stronger. It's a big statement. If you're just looking at how you're being affected, impacted, whatever, your vision is short-sighted and you will always produce frustration. But when you're focusing outside the circle, you'll find that God allows you to see what you never saw before. And in that process, you'll discover satisfaction like you've never known before, even if your surroundings aren't exactly what you thought they would be. Looking inside the circle will always keep you inside the circle because your feet always follow what you're focused on. But if you'll adjust your vision beyond the circle around your feet and look for ways to be a blessing, you'll find satisfaction even if your life is in the middle of a storm right now. So what am I asking you today? I'm asking you to allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. Even if you don't like it. Even if it hurts. I'm asking you to be okay with wherever God leads you. You might find that God leads you back to a place where you're forgiving people that hurt you. Better be okay with it. Because that might be the thing that shatters the ceiling that you've been walking under. I'm asking you to evaluate your life and determine what's keeping you from God's best. God's best is always outside the circle. But but here's what's amazing. If you let God direct your vision to what's outside the circle, you'll find that his best outside the circle takes up residence inside your circle and you actually become something outside the circle for someone else. It's amazing. So what if you would allow God to work in you to the place where God uses you to change someone else forever? Hey, guess what, guys? That's the plan. Your life is not your own. But it takes you being willing to look beyond the circle that's around your feet. So, do you want someone thinking like this about you? If so, like, do you want to be willing to think outside the circle so that others can be blessed? Here's what you need to do. you got to do the same thing. I want to leave you with this. Someone out there right now is waiting for you to shift your focus outside the circle so that their life is changed forever. In fact, I'm willing to bet if you were to close your eyes right now and ask the Holy Spirit, if you would say, Holy Spirit, will you show me that one person that's waiting for me to start living outside the circle so that their life can be changed? I bet somebody came to your mind right there, right there. So God, what do you want me to do today? He might tell you I want you to sign up to serve somewhere. Oh, I get it, preacher. This was just about to get us to serving. No, it isn't. It's about getting you outside the circle. And sometimes doing something different than you've been doing is what it takes to get you outside the circle. I want you to give your gifts, talents, time, and finances to the kingdom. Oh, preachers after my money. All right, keep it then. Live live with a curse. Hoard your gifts and your talents and your abilities to yourself. 
you will not live a satisfied life. I want you to take all that junk from your past that you've hoarded inside the circle and drop all that stuff outside the circle at the altar today. Whatever it is, let's be like Joseph today and allow God to use us for the sake of the kingdom, not for the sake of our castle. For outside the circle, not for what's inside the circle. Can we take a moment and pray? Father, this is a lot to chew on today. I thank you for speaking to us, God. I thank you for thank you for helping us direct our vision away from inside the circle and, and outside the circle. God, I thank you for Joseph and his life. I thank you for his trials. I thank you that it was written down so that we could take a benefit from it today. So God, I'm asking for the sake of your people today that they would not hear a story and then go on today and not be changed, but that they would be willing today to sacrifice whatever it is inside the circle that's keeping them from living outside. Sacrifice what's inside the circle to, that's keeping them from living outside the circle today. God, I'm, I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do a work in them. God, they may be successful. They may be struggling. They may have had a great past. They may have had a terrible one. But God, I know that all that stuff, God, we can't go back and fix the past. But I know that right now you can change our viewpoint and our perspective and our focus. And I'm asking you right now, God, to give us the, the courage and the ability to lay all that mess on your altar today. God, I'm asking you to stir in the hearts of your people to serve, to give, to move the kingdom. really feel like right now we need to take one one second here and and i want you to just ask the holy spirit in your own way right now just the holy spirit what do you want to say to me about this what do you want me to do about it holy spirit just ask him that and let him speak to you father whatever it is Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to give us the courage to take a step today. Uh, maybe it's maybe just signing up for a serve team. Maybe it's dealing with something in the past. Maybe it's coming up today and getting prayer. Maybe it's laying something on the altar. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would encourage your people to stop living inside the circle and begin to living outside of it. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.